I know it's weird, I'm coming in on a different side. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for that. Man, what a great lead-in for today. Um, you know, it's... Um, when I was thinking during worship, you know, in order for us to be God's love in a broken world, that means a lot of times we've got to work through stuff in our own lives, right? And we're going to do that today. If you've read ahead, we're going to look at chapter 6 today. And uh, there are some things that, that the preacher says in there that are difficult. There are things that are hard to, to think about. There are things that uh, we don't want to think about. And so this morning, I'm so thankful um, for these songs that are encouraging, that remind us of who God is, the promises that He has for us, because it's in those times when things are so hard that we need to hear those words. And so this morning, that'll make a little bit more sense as we kind of dive in. But I, I just want you to know, um, but man, the Lord is in this today. I can feel it in the worship this morning. Um, I'm excited about what the Lord has for us, even though it may be uh, difficult to think about, but I think at the end we're going to see that God has our best interest in mind, even when it doesn't appear that way. I, I want to kind of recap just briefly about the last two weeks. We were looking at chapter 5, and we are looking at our wealth and our possessions, and and realizing that it's just like everything else in this world, right? It's temporary, it's heavy, um, it's fleeting. You might think you've got a nice little nest egg, and then before you know it, for various reasons, it could be gone. Uh, and, and that a lot of us have been trained by the culture that we live in to put our trust and put our security in the things that we have. And the problem is, as we just discussed, is that those things can come and go. Um, the preacher's telling us that we need to trust not in our wealth, not in the things that we have, but in God himself. That, that he is our provision. Um, that we can spend our lives building up our own kingdoms, but one day um, we're going to leave this world and we're going to leave all that behind us. Um, and unfortunately, we know that. We're aware of it. We know how the world works. Uh, but it doesn't prevent us from falling into that trap. We continue to go back to that. Um, and we talked about how we'll, we'll learn to trust God and to trust His purposes um, that He's going to provide for our every need, even though it may not feel like it, even though it may not look like it in the moment. God is going to provide for us. So today's text kind of follows in that same vein. And, it, and that's that God wants us to find the wholeness that we're looking for. We've talked about that before, that when sin entered the world, our relationship was broken and our hearts ache and they long for the wholeness that God created us for. So I do want to say um, in the beginning um, that there's a phrase in our text today that's going to be difficult for some people in our congregation. Um, there's a statement that the preacher, preacher makes here and he makes in other places in the book um, that, are, that are hard to hear if you've ever struggled with fertility and childbirth. And so I want you to know this morning that my, my heart is with you today and you've been on my mind this week if you've had that struggle in your life, um, that the Lord would allow me to be very delicate um, with how we handle that. And I believe that there's goodness there, there's wholeness that can be brought through understanding some of those things. Unfortunately, today in our text, there's not going to be any resolution. The, the preacher is going to lay out some problems that exist in the world. And what we always hope and we long for is that we can point out the problems and then say, here's the answer. But in our text today, that's not what we're going to receive. But we are going to gain something that we desperately need. We'll talk about that in a little bit, okay? We're going to begin this morning with um, uh, chapter 6 in Ecclesiastes. We're going to read verses 1 through 6, okay? As you're, as you're turning there and getting ready, I just want to say that sometimes in our life, we experience things that are hard and they're um, they're unfair, and, and those things can blind us from truth, right? We, we, we look at those things, and it's all that we see. 
And my hope and my prayer for us today is that as we discuss some things that may be difficult, uh, and I'm not going to call out specifics, but as we talk through this, you're going to have things that pop in your mind, things that you've struggled with. My hope and my prayer is is that the Lord will allow you to see Him and not just the struggle that's in front of you, that He's going to give us a little bit different perspective, okay? And I do want to say that when we we get to that passage, and you'll know it when we read it, I want you to think of it in this way, um, that... We would say something similar, but we would say it in a different way. You may have gotten to a place in your life or heard someone say something to the effect of, I wish that I was never born. And I think that's what the preacher is alluding to today. That makes it a little easier um, for us if we think of it in that way. So let's read the scripture this morning, um, and then we'll, we'll dig in and see what the Lord has for us. So verses 1 through 6. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place. So the first thing I want us to see this morning in this text, and and, and we know this again, but but it's a truth that we need to go back to over and over again, is that this world is not our own, okay? When we approach a text like this, it's so good for us to just take a step back for a moment and get a better perspective, right? I use that word a lot. It's an important word to me because I know in my short life that there are a lot of times where I see something in one way and realize that that's not the right way to see it. And so my hope for us today is that we can take a step back from this text and gain some perspective. I hope that um, to try and make sense of our world and to understand our place in it, I want you to understand that we need a perspective greater than our own. Often because of sin nature, we think that the world and all the things in it, um, as it relates to us, we naively assume that the things that are happening to us are about us. As I was thinking through this text this morning, I kind of laughed in my head because I cannot tell you how many times my dad would say to one of my sisters when we were growing up, the world doesn't revolve around you, right? I don't know if you've heard someone say that to you before, but my sister would hear someone talking and she would just assume that everyone was talking about her, right? And we can laugh at that, but the reality is, is that when we go through things in life, whether they're good or they're bad, our assumption is that those things are about us. It doesn't matter um, if it's good, doesn't matter if it's bad. Either way, we focus on ourselves. But we learn as we kind of go through life that much of our experience, much of the things that we go through in life aren't necessarily about us, right? We are, we are certainly affected. We're changed by the things that happen in our lives, but, but we're not the author of our lives. We're not the ones in control of our lives. I was thinking about it this way this week. We, we are created beings, right? We were formed, we were molded, we were placed in this world, and we don't have control over the things that happen around us. We didn't make anything, and we can try to think of ourselves or make ourselves as important and as God is, but, but we aren't. 
We're never going to be able to do what God has done. And because of that, we live under His authority because He created us. I don't know if you guys, it's, it's an old joke, but there's a joke about a scientist who was really making some good progress in the area of creation and how the world came about. And he, he figured out how humans first were made. And so he challenged God. Have y'all heard this joke? He challenged God to see who can make the best creation. And God says, okay, I'll take your challenge. And so the man gathers up all his materials, all the things that he needs, and he looks at God, and they both got a pile of dirt, and they says, okay, you ready? He says, yeah. So, okay, go. So the scientist grabs up a big pile of dirt, and God goes, whoa, 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 get your own dirt, right? We didn't make anything, and so we don't have control over it. We have an illusion of control, but the reality is, is that we don't. We think there are areas of our lives where we've got things nailed down, and we got everything in order. You might think that about your children sometimes. You don't. Okay, the things in our lives that we think we really have control over are the things that typically go out of control very quickly. What we know from life is that days come and days go and time just passes on and it doesn't slow down. It doesn't wait for us. And really all that we can do is respond to what's happening around us. There's not a lot that we can do to affect change. Gaining this perspective and understanding is important because it allows us to realize what the preachers realized. And that is that the world and the things in it are temporary. In this last chapter, we talked about the heaviness and wealth and possessions. And the preacher brings um, the point that, that um, and he brings out this point that once um, more in this chapter, he describes yet another scenario where uh, wealth is heavy. We read that just a minute ago about this man who has everything he could ever desire, yet no power to enjoy it. He's, he's showing us that not only are our possessions heavens, but our, our lives are as well. This is the point that I believe he's trying to make here. Um, and, and if we read in, in Job um, chapter 3, we're going to see the same thing. It's a, from, it's a story that we're familiar with, right? We've read the book of Job. We've heard it growing up. Here's a man who has all the things a man could ever want. He's got tons of possession, tons of livestock, huge family. Everything's great. But all of a sudden, his life gets flipped upside down. He's a righteous man, a man of great means. And yet God allowed him to lose everything. I went back and read the first part of Job this week when I was studying. And, and it says that Job, not only did he, he take care of his relationship with God, but daily he would go and sacrifice before the Lord on behalf of his children just in case they'd messed up. That's a man that loves his children when his whole life revolves around other people. Yet he loses everything if we look at job's initial response we're going to see a very same sentiment as the preacher look with me in job chapter 3 let's read verses 1 through 13 this is how job responds at the outset of his tribulation and at this point all that's happened is he's gotten the the sores all over himself scripture says that that he would scrape them with broken pots to remove the pus okay so that does i've never had anything like that but it doesn't sound good okay this is job's response read this with me he says after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was born and the night that said a man is conceived. Let that day be in darkness. May God above not seek it nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. 
Behold, let the night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those who curse, um, who curse it, who curse the day, who are ready to rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of its own be dark. Let the hope for the light, but have none, nor see the eyelids of the morning, because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide troubles from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth, come out of the womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me? Oh, why the breast that I should nurse? For then I would have laid down and been quiet. I would have slept and I would have been at rest. Look, things are bad for him. To wish that the day that you were conceived would never have happened. That you had never been born. Look, Job and the preacher are telling us the same thing. We're going to have experiences. We're going to have times in our life that are so difficult that we are going to share the sentiment of these two men. That we're going to say, I wish that this would never have happened. We may be blessed with much and still not get to enjoy it. We may speak of these things and, and wonder where life, where justice is in our lives, right? We look at Job and we say, where's the justice here? We look at our own lives and we say, God, where's the justice? I know that all of us have suffered a great loss at some point in our life and it's difficult to deal with. It doesn't matter what it is. We find ourselves trying to make sense of the loss that we've experienced. I want us to understand that our sense of justice is often rooted in this world. And we need to allow God to reveal his purposes and that they are not of this world. We don't have time to fully dive into this today, but Job's loss of everything was not about Job. It was much greater than that. God was doing something bigger than Job could see from his earthly perspective. Job, Job knew this, but it didn't mean that he understood what God was doing. He had a concept of it, but he couldn't see the specifics. And the same is going to be true for you and I at some point. We're going to face something in our lives that's going to knock us to our knees, right? It's going to be a gut punch, if you've been through this already, you know what I'm talking about. But, and if you haven't experienced it, you will at some point in your life. And in those times when it seems like our world is falling apart around us, what we desperately need more than anything is God's perspective. We need God to speak truth in our lives. It may not feel that way. When you're in the midst of that, often our response is not to run to God, but we run away from Him. But I'm telling you, Job's telling you, the preacher's telling you, and God is telling you that what you need is God in your life. Once we run to God and get a glimpse through his eyes, we're going to see our circumstances in a whole different light. Our sufferings, no matter how intense, horrific, or unbearable they may be seen, are only temporary. We talked about this last week about how quickly life speeds past us. And look, in the midst of, of going through that suffering, this idea that life is temporary doesn't make that burden easier to bear, but it does give us hope that it's not going to last forever. It lets us see our place in this world, but more importantly, it reveals that God knows what's going on. He sees it. He sees our lives, and even though it doesn't make sense to us, it does make sense to Him. This is where it's important for us to be able to step back and say, you know, this might not be just about me. And even though that pain is consuming your life at that moment, it's just that. It's a moment. We don't have to endure those things forever. Point number two I want to make today is that this world is not our home. Right? And we know that. 
Look at verse 6 again. He says, even though we should live a thousand years twice over, yet not enjoy, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place. This word here for place is an important word. The preacher is trying to help us to understand that while we give so much importance to the world and the things in it, it's not where we're going to end up. This is not what our life is about. He's speaking of a specific place. We see it in the New Testament referred to this way. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. You know, what we experience on earth is significant. And it has purpose, but it is not the end. We have a promise and a hope that when we too pass, we will be with Jesus in in heaven. The preacher's describing the life of a man that has all that the world has to offer, but he can't enjoy it. He has this huge family, but none that love him. That's when, he, when he talks about no place for burial, what he's saying there is that this man has a hundred children, and none care enough even to bury him when he dies. And that sounds heartbreaking, but again, it's temporary. The pain that this man has experienced, while tragic, is only temporary. Because of the truth of this world, the truth is that this world that we live in is temporary. And we need to live for the world's sake for the world to come. Let me say it this way. What we do here and now does make a difference. It does have an effect. But we're not living for this world. We're living for the world that we're going to go into one day so that we may enjoy it and those that God puts in our life may enjoy it. We need God to change our perspective to understand that while this life is temporary, He is not. We were not created to be temporary. Our bodies are, but that's it. Our soul will live on. Our relationship with God will go on even when our bodies pass away. And we believe that to be true, right? We've trusted Jesus. We've given our lives to Him. We've put our lives in His hands. But the problem is is that often when we're walking through the hard stuff, we don't have God's perspective. And so that's why it feels like everything is falling apart. We live and we worry about the things of this world, which cause us to lose sight of not only what God's doing, but what He's called us to do. The problem, again, is that we don't have God's perspective. We work and we play in hopes of finding joy, but, what we're, but when we do that, we're looking for joy in the wrong place. We're seeking wholeness in a place that it can't be found. Look at verses 7 through 9 with me in Ecclesiastes 6. It says, All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This is also a vanity and is a striving after wind. So point number three today is that we need to pursue the presence of God. As I pointed out last week, the preacher has said several times that we are to eat and drink because those are gifts from God, right? We've got that in our brains. We understand that. So why is it in verse 7 that he says that eating and that, that um, all the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. If eating and drinking are gifts from God, why does the preacher tell us that our appetite would not be satisfied? It doesn't make sense, does it? Let's look at it. Let's get some perspective. God's desire for us is to focus on him and to trust in him for our provision, Right? 
This doesn't negate our need for work. God says just like food and drink are gifts, God describes work the same way. What God wants and what the preacher keeps saying is that we're to enjoy these gifts as God intended. We've said that over and over, but what does that mean? When our focus is purely on our work or just on what we're going to eat, we're making those things the priority in our lives and they're out of whack. Our focus should be on God while we work and we eat and be thankful for those gifts. Do you see the difference? Instead of focusing on the food and the work and God's the afterthought, we focus on God while we're working and while we're eating. I thought about, Talitha had us read a book when we were in college called Practicing the Presence of God about a guy named Brother Lawrence. I'm sure you guys have probably read that before. A lot of you have had her classes, right? And he talked about how he was more in tune with the Spirit peeling carrots than when he had to stop to go to worship. That interrupted his conversation with God. And isn't that the place that we want to be? That peeling carrots or whatever it is that we do is where we're the most in tune with God. And that's, that's how we enjoy the gifts of God, is that we make the things that we're doing about God not an afterthought. We should be partaking in both works and eating with God. God didn't create us apart from himself, but rather to be with him. We weren't created to be autonomous, to just live over there by ourselves, separate from God. God created us in the garden to be in relationship with him. And it's in that relationship that we find our wholeness. God didn't create us to to move through life like a zombie. I don't know how many of you have watched a zombie movie. There's lots of different zombies. Some move fast, some move slow. But all of them have one goal in mind, right? To eat brains. That's not important to the, to the message, but I want to make sure you're still with me, okay? But they only think about one thing, and that's it. You can't reason with them. Some you can outrun, some you can't. But they all are headed on one path, okay? They're so focused on what they need and what they want, that's all that's there. But a lot of times we're a zombie too. We're only focused on what we need and what we want and we can't see anything else around us. And when we're in that pursuit, we're missing out on the entire reason for living. God created us to be in relationship with him, not to just pursue work and not just to pursue something good to eat. God created us to be in this world and he created this world for us to enjoy him, not the world. We can never experience satisfaction when we're misusing the gifts of God. When we work and we eat for our own purpose, our personal satisfaction, we're robbing ourselves of the very part of life that brings satisfaction. Satisfaction comes as we experience life with God. And living apart from God is what has gotten our world in the shape that it's in right now. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm just talking about the world in general. Maybe COVID, I don't know. But we need to be doing life with God. We can share God's love in a broken world by making the daily choice to walk through the day with God. When you get up in the morning, you say, God, today's for you. You have to make a conscious effort to do that. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. It doesn't just happen overnight it's a thing that we do every day that daily we get before the lord and we say god i want to be in your presence throughout my entire day in everything i'm doing no matter how menial or how important i want you to be the focus of my day to invite him into that daily grind is to find satisfaction in that grind like think of the thing you hate doing the most whatever that thing is you invite the holy spirit into that and now all of a sudden it's bearable 
and maybe even fun. Because the focus is not on the thing that's miserable, the focus is on God. Have you ever noticed, I was thinking about this last night, have you ever noticed when you go on a mission trip, you may be asked to do something that is horribly laborious or boring. I went on a mission trip with some students to Mexico one year. And the job when we got there was they had, you know, in, in the United States, they buy, you buy cement in an 80-pound bag, right, which is heavy but manageable. I don't know why, but in Mexico, these were like 200-pound bags, okay? They were huge. They filled up a whole wheelbarrow. And our job, they said they had a pallet. I don't even know how they unloaded this thing. A pallet, like this tall, full of these bags of concrete and a wheelbarrow. And they said, okay, we're going to pour concrete up there on that part of the mountain, and we need the concrete to get up there. Okay, that was our job. Y'all, that was the funnest trip I ever had. Have you ever run uphill with a wheelbarrow? It's fun, okay, just trust me, okay. We had so much fun, but you know why? It wasn't about the concrete, it wasn't about the wheelbarrow. And the reason that you have fun on mission trips isn't about the work that you're doing, it's about the fact that the leaders of that trip or yourself, from the moment you step on board the bus or the airplane or whatever else, your focus is on what? It's on God. The whole time you're gone, 100%, you're thinking about God. And it's incredible. And you get back and go, man, that was so good. I can't wait to go on another one. Well, what if that other one was just the next day? What if the next day when you got up that morning, step out of the door and you say, okay, God, today is all about you. Whatever I'm doing, whatever my tasks are, I'm going to be doing it with you in your presence. That's why we love those trips so much. It's not just about new culture and new experiences. It's about the fact that we are in the presence of God from the time we wake up until the time we go to sleep. We encounter God because we made the entire trip about Him. Imagine what your weeks would be like if you treated every day with the same kind of attitude. Our lives would be completely different. And your life wouldn't be the only one that would change. The lives of the people around you would see it and they would feel it. The preacher ends this chapter by pointing out that any attempt that we make to make our lives something that it isn't intended to be, it's just hevel. It turns into nothing. The last point I want to make today, I'm not done, but it is the last point, is that we need to enjoy purpose in God's presence. We need to enjoy purpose in God's presence. Look at verses 10 through 12 with me. And yes, we just did a whole chapter. It says, whatever has come to be has already been named. And it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his life in vain, which he passes like a shadow. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Listen, the answer to experiencing joy and satisfaction in life is not how we organize our day. It's not about getting a really good planner or a great device. It's not about the diet that you're on, exercise regimen. It's not about the kind of clothes you wear, the car you drive. All of that stuff is going to fade away. I mean, think about like what was really popular in the 80s. Of course, that may be popular again today, but okay, dress like it's the early 90s. See how people look at you, right? Those things that we try to make so important in our life. Yeah, see some people going, I could pull that off. Or no, don't do that. I don't know what the thing is. 
The point is, is that we can, we can take, we can look at these moments in our lives and we look at the things that we made so important in a couple of decades past, and not only are they not important, but they're repulsive in a lot of ways. I would never be caught dead with my hair flipped up in the front like I did in the early 2000s with highlighted tips. I looked like an idiot. I saw your hair that time too. <laughs> Back on me. Look. The author says in this book that there's nothing new under the sun. And that's what, I feel like that's the intent behind these last couple of verses. Is that there's nothing new. We can try all we want. If someone claims they have a new doohickey that's going to make your life feel complete, go ahead and just don't buy it. Don't buy it. Because it's not. It may be fun for a moment. It may make things feel different. But it's not going to do anything. And look. Life is too short for us to waste our time chasing stuff that doesn't matter. It's too short. Those of us that are older in the, in the room, we know, right? There are some that are older than me that are going, Will, you don't even know yet. And I know. I know what I don't know. I don't know. Listen, if we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came and died to be the final atonement for the sin in our lives, and that we are freed from that sin to enjoy being in a relationship with God, does that belief reflect in our lives? When people look at our lives, is that what they see? Do they see a man or a woman that has been changed by the forgiveness, by the grace that we accept in Christ? Is that what our life represents? Or do we just look like everybody else? Does our life point to something other than Christ? We can talk about this idea of pursuing God and finding purpose in Him until we are all old and crazy. But if we just talk about it, that's all it is. It's just talk. Our talk is not going to matter until it moves from our mouths and our minds and into our hearts. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We have a role to play in that, but it's simply to say, God, fix me. Take these things in me that are selfish, that are sinful, and remove them from my life. We make room for perspective change in our lives by placing our faith and our focus on God in order to see life the way that He sees it. Because if we see life from God's perspective, the things that are important to Him will be what, what will be important to us. And when we or people that we love are struggling through hard things, we're going to be able to see that in a way that is meaningful, in a way that's challenging but good. Today, I love the songs that we sang because they remind us, even when life is not feeling good, that we have these promises of hope that God, that, like Maggie said, that we can stand in the promises that God has made for us, that we can look at the hard times in our life. I'm so appreciative of your testimony this morning because it's exactly what God's been saying this week, that in the midst of really hard things, in the midst of not being able to hug one another, that we can stand on the promise that this world is temporary. COVID is temporary. I don't know when it's going to leave, but it won't always be here. Life can be different. And so rather than longing and only hoping for what is to come, let's, let's live in the moment in the presence of God and let Him be our wholeness. Preacher says at the end of this that we can try to argue with God on this. But take the preacher's advice, take the, the advice of Job, you're not going to win. Job said, who am I to question God? 
And we need, to, we need to ask ourselves the same thing. The longer we fight it, the longer we delay um, pursuing the Lord, the longer we're delaying really feeling whole. You see, we feel like by, by doing what we want, we're going to find satisfaction. We're going to find enjoyment in life. But what Scripture says over and over and over again is that we're not going to find enjoyment in this world. We're not going to find joy. We're not going to find wholeness. We're not going to find satisfaction in the world. We're going to find that in the presence of God. Sorry, this thing's been bugging me all day and I keep messing with it. Life's hard. But we don't make it easier by attempting to distract ourselves with what the world has to offer us. We make it worse. We, try, we can try to convince God, try to convince ourselves that we've found what makes us happy. But if it's not God, it's not going to be lasting. We may have found something in the moment that makes us feel better. But that's going to fade. Our promise of hope, our promise of joy is not in the things of this world. But they are in God. And we can talk ourselves in circles and try to convince ourselves and found, convince others that we found the answer. But in verse 11, it says clearly that the more we speak, the less our words mean. That's why we need to be short-winded preachers, not long-winded, right? We can work ourselves up into a lather, trying to convince ourselves that this world can make us feel the way we want to feel, but it's not going to. People and culture think they can tell you what will make you happy, but the preacher's laying out for us that that's not the case. So we need to take the advice of a man who had everything and, and understand that the things of this world are not, not what's going to make us happy. It's the presence of God. It's thinking about what's beyond this world that's going to bring us wholeness. Everything on this side of death is temporary. And we're all going to meet the same end and probably sooner than we like. Bethany's always said that I'm going to die of doing something dumb. She's probably right. Okay? Glenn's affirming that. But the reality is we're all going to leave this world. And so the time that we have, let's don't spend that time chasing things that, that just don't matter, that are temporary. We have a perspective that's different from most people, and it's not because we're better than others. It's because we study the Word. It's because we've been doing life with God long enough to get a taste for what he has to offer. But it's until we daily get before the Lord and say, God, today is for you. I want to walk with you through the things that I have to do. Until that becomes our daily routine, our life is going to be meaningless. Let's pray together. Father, it's my hope and prayer for myself and for my brothers and sisters that we can learn what it means to, to walk with you every day. That we can get to a place in our lives where, where you are the distraction from life and not the other way around. Where we can, we can be so enveloped in your presence that we, that we just don't even see the things that are happening around us. God, that we can bring that hope and that joy and that wholeness from our lives and be able to share that with other people. Not because we're on a mission, but because it's just overflowing from around us. God, help us to see life from your perspective and not just our own. Draw us to yourself so that we can see you, we can know you, and we can be brought into the work that you're doing around us. And so we can see our suffering from the right place, that it's not just about us. God, be our hope, be our joy, be our wholeness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.